0: Chris, did you confirm there, buddy? Confirmed. Confirmed, all right. How do I sound? Sound good? Oh, man. Like, like butter. I right? just wanna keep hearing it. Yeah, it sounds so good. <laughs> okay, so we'll get going. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome back. Wing It Podcast, Goosedigital.com. Who do we have? Robin Kroll. Chris O'Neill.
1: Ben Pugsley. Cassidy Allison.
0: Michael Turksani. Thanks uh, for joining us, Cassidy. Nice to uh, see you again.
1: Welcome. Thanks. I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah, welcome to the podcast. As, as, you, as you may or may not know, this podcast is um, highly ranked, as we like to say on the podcast. We get millions of views <laughs> on YouTube and several hundred million downloads a month on all the other platforms. So this is going to be a great exposure for you and your brand. I'm joking, of course, no pressure. Um, Yeah. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you for, for uh, hanging out with us. This is going to be a really, a really great podcast. Why don't we just kind of go around between um, yourself, maybe a little bit of an intro and then, and then, you know, Jen and Robin on, on background working together as we start off here.
1: Sure, so as I said, I'm Cassidy Allison. I'm the marketing and member insights specialist at the Commonwealth Mutual Insurance Company. Uh, previous to that, I worked with brokers of a couple of different sizes, all the way from sort of a small 30 to 60 person shop, all the way up to a uh, thousand employees. Um, and now I'm over at the Commonwealth. Um, if you're not familiar with us, we are one of Ontario's largest mutual insurers. Um, and we serve a lot of rural communities in Ontario with a large network of brokers all across Ontario.
0: Awesome, and uh, we got to know you yeah. through one of our one of our uh, uh, projects together for a couple of years. Jen, did yeah. you want to talk a little bit about that too?
2: Yeah, so I had the pleasure of working with Cassidy starting, I, I think, 2016. Is it, I think it must be that long ago. Uh, While well, you were at um, Navigators, and that was a that was a pretty hefty marketing program across kind of all areas including technology and um i think it was a multi three year engagement that we
0: close that to that, we, uh, yeah close to that th- yeah.
2: together and we've had fun we've gone out we've stayed in touch and we've been so um met up in edmonton which was super fun and i think that was kind of on the brink before the COVID so I always have fond memories of meeting you downtown for a drink because that was pretty much the last time I could do that (laughs) and uh, yeah just really happy to to be in touch with you and have you on our podcast
1: today. Yeah I'm super excited and uh, like you said that that time that we worked together was super great Um, and you know to, to pump your guys' tires a little bit, you know, we didn't end that engagement for any reason other than that our company just drastically changed their acquisition. So um, I'm always excited to stay in touch. I think you guys do great work. So I'm happy to be chatting. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Well, I think, you know, talking today, you know, you, you sort of mentioned it a little bit on, uh, on your introduction. And I think it's um, you've, you have an interesting uh, relatively accelerated career in marketing in the insurance world, right? Like I don't think it's that common for somebody like yourself to kind of come in and instantly go through a, a pretty sizable uh, integration project that, you know, we were part of with you with McLean Hallmark and Navigators and then seeing kind of the broker network stuff evolve and now being on the carrier side. Um, and you touched on it and I know that's one going to be one of our first things is just around team size and shape uh, to really do this and sort of the demands that are on marketing in 2021. So, um, you know, this, this podcast we're going to talk about, you know, what it takes to sort of, you know, do marketing in 2021. I mean, we've been in the industry for a little over five years and wow, is it ever different? I mean, it's just, it's just, you know, the acquisitions and the landscape um, it it, and the, the digital transformation speed is unreal, right? We all know that. but, you know, every year we evolve, so we're going to talk about team sizes and really what you think, you know, goes into that. We're going to talk a little bit about, you know, setting up your, your, your team and your, your in source outsource stuff and what really works for you as a business, and then get into some specific strategies that you're working on around the broker education series. So, you know, with that, I'm going to, I'm going to sort of turn it over a little bit to the floor to just let's explore the concept of like the team, like, you know how big are these teams that you're seeing Cassidy? What are some of the, you know, the internal sort of dynamics that you're seeing from like marketing teams as we move more and more into the world of marketing here in this industry?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, I started with um, at the time it was called Moore McLean, very small, 60 people. I was their only marketing employee. Mm-hmm. Um, they weren't outsourcing anything. It was just kind of whatever they could do in house. Um, and that can work for some brokers um, for what you need to do. If you're small and you're focused on a very small geography, that can definitely work. You just need to think about what things you can tackle because you really cannot do it all if you're doing it by yourself. Um, But as we grew and um, you mentioned the McLean Hallmark Navigators integration that kind of came next. And as we grew, um, the team grew to two as well as adding you guys as um, sort of our big marketing resource vendor and that was uh critical to the growth that we were able to achieve in that time there's like i said two people one person a small team of five even cannot be experts in everything in marketing um and so if you 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 need to sit down and think about what are your strengths within your current team what are the strengths of a vendor and what are the things that you need help with and that's um Sort of what I'd love to chat about today is your guys' perspective on um, things that you see people needing help with, but also I'd love to add um, my ideas to that.
0: Yeah, I think that that's that's really nice of you to to say, and and um, we talk a lot about that. Maybe that's a good area for Chris to jump in, just to sort of on on our side, probably the one that out of all of us here is talking to the most people on a, on a really a weekly basis over the last several years. Right. So why don't you talk about kind of the, the, the marketing resource demands that you're seeing, Chris, and the, the different team sizes and stuff like that.
3: Yeah. I, I it's, it's interesting. Uh, and Cassidy sort of talking about uh, having, you know, gotten underway with a smaller broker team of one trying to figure out how to, uh, sort of engage that, that audience, whether it's a customer, uh, existing customer base or, or, you know, new lead gen, which of course the, uh, the, uh, Producers would all be very, you know, interested in driving. Um, you know, one of the things that that I know sort of drove that that sort of marketing introduction into the business was the threat of, um, you know, the directs and uh, the threat of of kind of like losing losing touch with that digital customer that's out there, sort of, uh, you know, more aware of of the um, uh, you know of the opportunities that were outside of of where they were insuring their their uh, assets currently. So, you know, one of the things that, that that I think you probably saw, Cassidy, was you know this sort of introduction. And I think with um, with your uh, with with Navigators and, and McLean Hallmark, they were kind of like they they got into this sort of. Um, mindset of we need to sort of develop this sort of digital um this digital program and be able to sort of attract and maintain our our uh, sort of connection with uh, with those customers and this is like something that continues to kind of be a starting point for a lot of the smaller brokers out there today we're talking to, to brokers on a day-to-day basis that are effectively in the same place that mclean hallmark uh, and navigators was in in 2016, um, and again, it's it, no no, uh, no 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 criticism on that. It's just that that is still something that is uh, th- that is out there. Um, and so now, having sort of been in that sort of marketplace as as you have and sort of grown your career in marketing and insurance, would love to sort of get your feedback on you know when you got, you know got started. There was this threat was out there. It was like let's sort of let's sort of build this program around connecting with people digitally. Whether there are existing customers or, or, or new customers, how did that? How was that perceived in the organization? Was it sort of like, oh, we've got to sort of add and sort of grow this sort of uh, this sort of commitment to the digital? Or what was the what was the early? I'd love to sort of hear what was the early going and what was it like when you sort of started to sort of run into those sort of uh, roadblocks?
1: Yeah, so I'd love to start by saying that something that I love about working in marketing and insurance is that um, the industry on a whole is kind of a little bit further behind from other industries, which gives us the chance to kind of let those other industries test things out, try things out, see if they work before we jump into it. Um, Mm -hmm. And so we saw you guys had some really great experience with e-commerce and that um, really helped push us along that path of connecting with that digital customer. Um, but internally, I think there was a, you know a ton of excitement around it at the time that we were doing that. Um, Sonnet was really pushing in the marketplace, and um, so we were seeing that as a way to sort of really uh, compete um, with their you know huge ad spend and advertising <laughs> in yeah. like crazy ways. So um, that was really an opportunity there. I would say. One of the challenges is that, um, I think it happens all the time in insurance, is finding a way to connect digitally with the best customers. Um, a lot of the time, the insurance customer who is shopping online is not always the best person. They're really like a price shopper, um, which no one no one wants their value proposition to be that they are the cheapest insurance. Um, you get what you pay for in insurance, and uh, that's really not the best value proposition. So I think that, that was our biggest sell internally was, you know, we're doing what we can to get the right people in the door, not just anybody that we can through digital means. Um, and I think that's a challenge that every broker faces, particularly on the personal insurance side, which is so commoditized. Um, it's pretty difficult to find your, your value proposition in that space. Um, and that's something that, uh, I would say, is really important to work with an external vendor on um, because you know enough about your company, but they can help you do some research in the marketplace. Um, They can help you kind of get the right message together. Um, Everyone has good service. um, Mm. So that can't really be your value proposition on its own. Um, And so what we worked on with you guys, uh, navigators particularly, was this mantra of being your guide, of being your navigator in insurance and putting that messaging sort of all the way through, through our social media, through our uh, email marketing, through our landing pages, through our AdWords. um, Kind of putting that message in, that value proposition all the way through is something that maybe we could have done by ourselves, but and and you could do by yourself if you are... um, a team of one or two, but I really think that that's something that working with an outside vendor really accelerates um, the speed at which you can bring those things to market.
4: Glad you brought that up, Cassidy, because one of the things that I was going to ask about is this concept of brand voice, right? So to Chris's point, you know, we have these conversations and trying to figure out where we as an agency can add the most value and where uh, the brokers or mutuals or, or you know the carriers where they are best suited to add the value and and very often we ha- it, it is around that that brand voice and the message so uh you know being able to articulate what that is but then having a, a vendor be able to say okay that's that's your value proposition and that's who your brand is we can help you from a digital perspective A best way to communicate that out. And I'm curious in your different experiences and, you know, different sizes of organizations, how you've seen that fit in the, you know, the, the concept of the brand voice and who really should be managing that aspect?
1: My opinion is that that aspect should be managed internally. Vendors can't know so intimately the culture of your company. They can't know it they can't know it the way you know it when you're living there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's not possible. They have, you guys have a, you know, a roster of other clients that you're looking after. It's just not possible. So I think um, in working with a vendor, you need a vendor that can A, you know, listen to what you're telling them about how your company works and how your company treats people and its employees and all of that. Um, but I do think that as a vendor, you guys can add the value in sort of pushing them to think a little bit deeper about that. Um, one of the things that we did at Navigators was um, start to develop a bit of a lexicon around some words that we just won't use. Um, per- insurance has all this jargon that everyone hates, uh, and it's in the policies. And but the consumer doesn't not understand it. They will understand, you know, um, an endorsement is what are we would call it an insurance. But to the person buying the policy, they just want to make a policy change. Um, and so, creating some of that. Uh, different language has to come from inside your own company because um, I mean, for some of the generic insurance words, you guys are experts in that too. So you, you can kind of guide that, but from the real knowing your customer and what they want to talk about and how they want to talk about it, that has to come from inside the house. Yeah.
4: And so Cassidy at the Commonwealth now, um, you know, you're a small team, you're a team of one. Yes. Um, yeah. So when you've, you know, kind of made those decisions of what it is that that you or you know the that you own as opposed to what you want to outsource how did you you know handle that decision making
1: yeah so when I came in I was the first hire for the commonwealth for marketing so they were actually outsourcing everything um, Mm -hmm. simply because they didn't have anyone to do it internally so we've been spending a lot of time kind of planning and uh, doing a lot of Work to decide what needs to come in house, and one of the things that we've been talking about a lot, bringing in house, is the social media. Mm-hmm. Um, an agency like you guys can provide, uh, you know, guidance on best practices for social media and um, design guidance and all of that. But for the content to feel authentic, it has to come from the team inside. Um, I'm really lucky because where I sit in the organization is part of the sales and distribution team, not as a sort of separate Island as I have in previous roles. So, um, I get to sit in with our business development managers. I head out to broker meetings. Well, not (laughs) head out to broker Mm -hmm. meetings. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, we, um, so that gives me the opportunity to get really immersed in our connection with our brokers and. Um, our connection with our members, which we call our policy holders. Um, that's something that our agency cannot do for us because they don't sit in my seat every day. So that's something social media and that authenticity of the brand is something that mm-hmm. you, like you you just you can't outsource. And um, so we've been working with our vendor very closely to kind of help them get even more aligned. They're, they're really great. Commonwealth's been working with them for a long time and they've done a really great job um, so far, but just adding that extra level, um, internally has, is really elevating our, our social media game. If I can say that.
0: Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a really good, um, a really good advice for, for other marketers that are out trying to do, trying to do a lot of things, right. I mean, it's not uncommon. I mean, there's a, like, I think you referred earlier just to the number of things that go into this, the capabilities. And I said, it's not uncommon for, um, You know, to want to take a lot of that inside, especially if you've had like a less than stellar outsourcing experience. Like if you've, if you've kind of, maybe the vendor's taken too much on, or maybe the situation was what it was when you come in, but you realize, wow, like we need to bring it all back in house. And we've seen a lot of those examples actually in sales meetings where maybe it's a broker or whoever they're, they're doing a lot internally we We like to say that, and there's nothing wrong with that if you can sort of sustain that and actually provide a, a, enough of a budget to handle it but um we like to say like what are the what are the easier things to outsource and maybe you could touch a little bit on that clearly the hard thing and it's it's basically a no no right you you touched on it outsourcing your brand voice, outsourcing your content uh, to the degree that the core Is now no longer inside the company. That's that's not a good thing, right? You want to keep that core, and as much of the messaging and the writing, and maybe the vendors chip in on some incremental creative, or like you said, some some guidance on what could work for best practice. But if you had to pick the things to outsource, I think maybe you could touch a little bit on you know the things that are harder for you to hire. You know, if you had to go to the team and say, hey, I want to hire. I don't know, an SEO person or this and that, like, you know, maybe you could touch on a few things that are easier to outsource.
1: Definitely. So, uh, the really technical things, um, we could hire them. There are people that are skilled in the marketplace to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, but the foreign insurance company, I think what's challenging is, uh, drawing that type of talent into that industry. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, then keeping them busy. So, um, at the Commonwealth, we don't we don't do anything that's particularly difficult from a marketing automation or, um, that standpoint, but we do need that skill Um, so it would be difficult to find sort of somebody who could be, you know, entertained with what we are currently doing. Mm -hmm. Um, but what works really well with working with the vendors that all those things, the marketing automation, the, um, web development, all of that stuff changes quite a lot and having a vendor that you're kind of outsourcing the, the reason to keep your skills updated. (laughs) Um, You don't have to have somebody who's constantly doing that because the agency is gonna look after that for you. Um, And it's, like I said, the very technical stuff that doesn't really change from company to company is I would say the easiest stuff to outsource, Um, particularly as you're deciding kind of what kind of marketing automation tool to use, whether you're gonna use like Acton or HubSpot or Salesforce, whatever platform you wanna go with, you can find an agency that has that as a specialty. Um, and then you don't really need to know how it works. That's, <laughs> that's my <laughs> advice on that, you don't, if you have an agency that you trust and you're working with, you don't have to know how that works and that frees up a lot of you know, brain capacity to do the things that you actually need to focus on is if you outsource those things that are really just too complicated for your team
0: or yeah. or to or to your point maybe I'll have Jen chime in on this because I know she does a lot of this kind of like hybrid team outsourcing work um, in the insurance space that I think you touched on something that is that people can um, maybe they don't even realize, but the whole concept of keeping somebody entertained or, or, or busy to your point or even a career path it's hard to do when you're when you're in um, an area of marketing that there isn't a full, really a full-time scope of, right? So then you kind of get into this world of like an expert generalist, but, um, you know, someone that wants to get into marketing automation or wants to get into, say, paid media management. And well, it's, it's, it's 25% of a role in our organization and that component's like, it's not really a full-time hundred and, you know, 40 hour a month type endeavor, it can be difficult as much as you may want to have and build a team around it. It can be difficult for those individuals to feel like I can grow within, within this kind of world. Right. Um, Versus say brand voice messaging, communications. I mean, that, that type of thing being more core, you could see a much longer career path for somebody. Correct.
1: Definitely. And the uh, like, for example, in web development, you most, I would say most brokers, don't and smaller companies that do not need a web developer Um, in-house you might need to make changes. Um, There's a sort of train the trainer type method that you can do to make sure that they can do sort of simple updates Um, and if your marketing person has some simple like html and css skills that would be sufficient for um, marketing I think and I'm kind of going to veer a little bit here job descriptions (laughs) for marketing people in insurance are absolutely bonkers yes. um, because they're often hiring one person who needs to do a lot of different things. And I would encourage people who are looking to hire their first marketing person to really focus on what exactly they need to be able to do, as opposed to, I want them to be able to do everything because nobody can do everything at the effort level, yeah. um, no matter like matter what they say, nobody can do it at the expert level. That's why you hire a vendor who has, you know, 10 different people at your disposal to do all the different things and be experts in those things.
2: Yeah, for sure. And I think you touched on a couple of things that are, you know, important to me. One of those things is trust and, and you know, there's so many things to do. Right. So I always come back to that as like, there's this laundry list of things to do in this industry. Um, and then focusing those things on on the right departments and the right vendors. Um, And a lot of that has to do with trust. You know, and and I think what I always appreciated working with you was that although there was that trust in terms of you hired Goose to do a very technical expertise inside the tool and you knew enough to kind of be dangerous inside the tool, but you were really putting that on us. But I also think that, which was good, um, but I also think that you you did you also made a really big effort to understand all the connectivity and really go to your different departments whether that was sales um to come back to us to say you know here's what's the feedback on the front line you know jen we need to take this into the program so we can optimize our program or having things having to do with the bms and even if you know even if we we're still working through those weeds we did it together and I think that's where where you're very valuable in the industry is that there's a lot of marketing quote-unquote leaders that don't really understand all that piece and have a really hard time articulating that back to their their vendor um so I so I think that yeah so I think that there's part of it and then I also work with with vendors usually on the bigger side of carriers who are in the tool and they are, they do have that tandem relationship with us and we're all about enabling those teams to get big, you know, faster, stronger, you know, maybe it's on broker bulletins and it's on some of the, you know, the newsletters, some, some of the easier things. And then goose can then start taking on the more complicated things. So, you know, I think I've seen both models. Your model works really well in the, in the um, smaller team environment, but that trust has to be there and, and that constant collab and communication, so.
1: You hit on the the most important thing. I would give any, any advice to any person working in marketing and insurance is that you cannot do marketing in insurance, probably, or in any industry um, without having input from your other frontline teams, sales, yeah. service. They talk to the customer, they talk to the member every day, they understand what the customer needs. Um sometimes yeah. getting that information out of those teams can be a little bit like pulling teeth, but um it's so important that you have someone leading your marketing or someone within the marketing team who's able to really collaborate cross functionally um because you can't just operate marketing in a silo. Yeah, exactly.
3: Oh, I like what you said there, uh, Cassidy, and and I'd love to sort of um, and again maybe the, don't want to unearth any sort of skeletons of uh, of, of of pain. But uh, when you started uh, sort of getting marketing underway at uh, Navigators um, uh, McLean Hallmark, I'm su- I'm I'm supposing that there may have been some. Uh, resistance among the producers. And we obviously like we're, we're out there talking to, to smaller brokers all the time, talking about why it is that, you know, that we will be able to help sort of those producers grow and gain and so forth. But there's, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm just calling out the fact that those, those, um, those, those producers are very, very sensitive, very sensitive about contacting their customers and for good reason like you must have sort of had some interesting conversations with these producers when it came time to, Hey, we're going to be talking to your customers too. Tell us about that a little bit.
1: Definitely that exists across the entire industry. Everyone wants to own that customer. I know on the broker side, it's the, the individual brokers themselves from the company perspective. It's the broker office wants to own the relationship with the customer. Um, and so it's, definitely a bit complex as to you know i don't think there's really any right answer about who should own that customer journey and who should own that um you know specific communication but i do think that it's just so important to work collaboratively across that and to explain the value of having marketing working directly to communicate with the customer member because um as a salesperson you also don't have time to do a million follow-ups or Um, continue to send out that sort of, uh, I I call it the insurance adjacent content, sort of that um, touch point that isn't a sales touch point. Um, Mm -hmm. they, They just simply can't do all of that. And so it takes some time to set the value up for those producers to understand that, you know, we're not trying to disrupt your relationship with the customer. We're not trying to, um, you know, take that ownership away from you. We're, we're trying to add additional value that you simply don't have time to deliver yourself.
2: Yeah,
0: sure. Yeah, no, that's great. That's a really great, um, I think that's helpful for organizations that are, going through that process and and a little bit concerned at this point about well especially i think when you do the first few campaign waves or when you're in their first year let's say well you know it's very very common for somebody to come back and say well we didn't really like the way that email well, i had one of my customers say something and you know well it's one example and we need to look at it and say you know is it is it indicative of like a broader problem and and we're really risking upsetting the customer base or is it again, through that education and awareness process, just more so the early development of your digital program. I think that's a good actually sort of segue into some, we kind of looked at the past a little bit and some good advice kind of around that, maybe switching into sort of what you're doing today. I know we wanted to talk about some big strategies around broker education. So did you want to lead us off into into that world, you know, 2021 sure. marketing for you, what you're, what you're up up to and on the broker education side, and then maybe I know Robin wants to bring up a previous example of something. So yeah, <laughs> take it away. Yeah.
1: So um, over at the Commonwealth, we have a really big focus on building that strong relationship with our broker partners um, across Ontario. We focus really, really heavily on that rural uh, Ontario setting and uh, as well our roots are in farming as are most mutuals. Um, and farming is a really complex business. Um, so we've been spending a lot of time working with our brokers to educate them on sort of the best way to go about um, working with farmers. And uh, something that we're doing, I think a little bit differently on the broker education side is that our, a lot of the other carriers tend to focus on sort of product education or, um, like very specific skills. Um, whereas uh, we're currently running a program, uh, we're calling it, there's actually, it's actually two separate programs the Introduction to Agriculture and Agri Expert Certificate Program. Uh, the Agri Expert is 14 courses, and the uh, Intro one is, I believe, seven. And um, both of those programs are strictly about. What is farming? What does farming look like in Ontario? What do each of the different types of farming operations look like? You know, what does a dairy look like? What does a beef farm look like? What is poultry? What is um, swine? All of those things are really not very insurance focused. Um, we are offering rebo hours for those courses, mm. but um, we're not. We haven't been advertising <laughs> that they're um, for credit. Uh, they're people are just kind of like fun surprise at the Revo certificate afterwards. Oh, cool. um, and so th- we are selling those courses out um, within 30 minutes of them going live um, and they're selling them out. They're free um, to our brokers, but uh, they're really, really enjoying them. And so far we have about, uh, I think we have about 30 people who are about 50% of the way through their Agri Expert certificate. Um, and we expect that they'll complete those uh, end of the year and that Agri Expert certificate covers off all of the things around farm knowledge, but then we also do get a little bit into the insurance near the end, and then we also have a farm marketing module um, that I'm going to be leading, uh, and that really gets into you know mm. speaking the language of the farmer, um, and that's I, I think that's the example Robin wants to bring up, so I'm just going to jump into it if that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yes. one, um, like most insurance companies, we also do co-op. Uh, marketing with our uh, broker partners and we were recently working on a co-op project um, where we were talking about a specific product that we offer for um, poultry operations specifically for the chickens that lay eggs Um, and we had uh, we were helping them with an ad and the the copy of the ad had said uh, for poultry operations but because the product is so specific and the farmers who are you know Raising chickens, specifically for eggs, have a specific language that they speak. We sort of educated the broker on that language that they need to use. And it was actually, it should have said, for farmers with layer operations. Um, and that, it's, it's like a small change yeah, to the yeah. copy that can really help sell yourself as an expert to the member. Um, and I think that's what our, our agriculture program that we're currently running is really doing for our brokers is giving them sort of a leg up in the industry for those that are not you know farm kids turned and, brokers and, and
0: by layer you're you're referring to chickens that lay eggs yes yeah yeah
1: yes and uh, in case you're wondering the chickens that are for me are called broilers
0: broilers interesting yes cool. but i think you know i think going back to kind of where where this started was around you brought up this point around well, I I think between you and Robin talking about brand, brand voice and really brand. And what does that mean to, to, to you guys, to, to the Commonwealth? And, and I think what you're through these programs is your, your education programs are about helping have a better conversation with the end, what, what hopefully becomes an end member. Right. Um, And through these, through these advertisement options, it's further kind of connecting with the end customer in a way that they really understand. So again, it all comes back down to, you know, where do you want to position yourself as a brand? You know, do you want to be kind of in that that lens of like really helping build relationships and connecting with the end member through this educational, or is it more, hey, we want to be the technical, you know, T's and C's on, on product, right? Um, so you're right and I think a lot of it does start with that and then it can inform your tactics and your messaging and, and all that, uh, that downstream.
1: I think it's important, uh, when you're working on a broker education strategy that you're really focusing on delivering education that helps the broker, uh, achieve the value that you want them to. So, um, like I said, we have a really strong Focus on farm. And so that's why we started to go out really, really strong on educating on farm because that's something that we really care about. And we could, you know, carriers provide rebo accredited um, education all the time. uh, And you could do it on any topic and you would fill the room because people need their rebo credits and they might find it interesting or they might not. But um, I think what's really important is uh, creating content through your education programs that really gets the brokers excited and provides value beyond the Rebo hours, um, because everyone needs Rebo hours. But uh, if you are driving that value outside of that, then people are going to continue to come back and continue to re-engage with your uh, company brand um, on the company yeah. side. And yeah, the more I they mean, engage with their company brand, the more they sell your products, you know, yeah, it spirals, right? Yeah.
2: To, you know, it's interesting because that's that's been the hot topic of 2021 in in our world, too, with, with working with, providers is trying to get them to come and register with, you know, beyond the Rebo credits. Um, and Chris, I, you know, it's so, it's so fun t- for me because I've been waiting for somebody to do something cool digitally with farm for Chris and I were talking about farm back at IBAO twenty nineteen 18, whatever, whatever, whatever the last one we were allowed to go at. And I, and I was like, someone's going to do something cool with farm. And so I, I didn't realize where, that's right. Your, yeah. your courses were gonna be so awesome. So that that's good because I think I think there's a big um opportunity for for farm in the next the next evolution of farmers, you know, in in sure. our new world. Yeah. So cool.
4: And I, I loved, uh, you know, Cassidy, obviously, I love that story. We talked about it a little while ago for for a couple of different reasons. First of all, I, I learned about layers, which i would never known about before. So first of all, <laughs> education. But um, another aspect was it's this concept of authenticity. And if you look at marketing as a whole, and this is, insurance is across any industry. And you think of what is actually going to resonate or what's a differentiator with the end consumer. And it is that concept of of authenticity. I think it's, it's a huge differentiator. Um, and another aspect of that that I loved is, is you know, and Jen, back to your point as well. This concept of education mm-hmm. um, and investing in um, educating uh, your partners, your customers. So in a B to B to C kind of environment, and we've seen a huge increase in that um, over the last year. Obviously, you know, part of it was uh, driven by COVID because uh, you know there were more limited ways to have the, the conversations and communicate out. Uh, information to huge groups. So there there were uh, courses that started and they were from the the carriers, the mutuals. We're seeing it from some of the MGAs. We're seeing it from the organizations who are actually investing in their partners and going beyond just this is our product, this is how the product works, this is what the coverage is about, but it's actually more. It's, it's mm. investing in them and educating them on how to really engage with their end consumer. And it's such, a, it's such an amazing value proposition. And while the insurance industry is a little bit behind in uh, certain aspects, like in technology, I love that they're we're actually moving towards the forefront in, in this aspect.
0: Awesome. Well, I think that covers it, guys, and this was uh, a very sort of uh i think i think one of the better case studies just being able to look back over over a number of years and see the the development um both from your yourself cassidy and like where where you've personally come from but also the trends in the market and and um good advice to anyone that's in this space that might be resource constrained, which we're all, you know, resource constrained to some degree uh, want to need to do more with less and want to be smart with where we're putting our, our dollars and um, and some really cool kind of um, strategies that you're employing to, to connect with your partners and, and, and the end members in a way that is going to be meaningful and provide uh commonwealth with a lar- with a long-term brand you know presence. Um, so if, if you, if you have maybe some parting words, that would be great. And then I think we'll wrap this up.
1: Yeah. Um, I guess I have sort of one more small piece of advice. If anyone's listening Please. and they're thinking about doing marketing in insurance, or maybe you're just thinking you need a job and marketing is available in insurance. <laughs> um, I would say do it. It's a really great growing industry. Um, there's lots of opportunity in marketing through, um, you know, brokers and companies, but then also on the vendor side, there's lots of vendors out there that help help out the insurance industry. And there's because it's a little bit complicated from a product perspective. Um, there's there's an opportunity to build a real niche for yourself. Um, and so I I just like to encourage people to look at that industry as sort of interesting as opposed to boring. <laughs> I
0: agree.
2: All <laughs> right. Yes. All right. Great.
0: Right. Well, thank you, Cassidy. Thank you, everyone, for today's session. And I'm sure we'll be in touch soon. And hopefully we can get uh, get you back at the office when things start to settle down and are a bit safer.
1: I would love to come visit.
0: All right. Great. Thank you. Thanks, Cassidy. Bye. Bye. Bye.